right, well, good morning, Orchard Hills. Welcome again to our service today. We're excited to celebrate Advent and kick that off with you today. Um, welcome to everyone here in the room and those who are watching online. Uh, we've got Stephanie, Joanne, and none other than Scott McLucas himself watching online today. Um, you might be wondering where Scott is. He's at home in bed. I'm just kidding. He's in Rwanda. Um, <laughs> Scott has traveled there um, with Rick Trout, who many of you know, um, to Rwanda. And this very morning, Rwanda's six hours ahead of us, this very morning they got to dedicate a church that you all helped to build and to raise the money for three years ago. I don't know if you remember, uh, it's been a long time ago now, but three years ago, right before COVID started, we did something called the Mina Project. Um, and on a Sunday morning, we gave out $5,000 in different em envelopes, 10, 20, 40. And, and just like the parable of the Minas in Luke 19, uh, we said, take that money and see how you can multiply it for the sake of the kingdom and specifically for the sake of our brothers and sisters in Rwanda. And so this very morning, um, Scott and Rick were at a lovely four-hour-long worship service. Uh, we'll try to do the same thing for you here today. Um, but they were at this service, dedicated the church, and, and that church was dedicated and blessed this very morning. So that's really exciting. We've got some uh, pictures to show you. Yeah, so some of us um, from church have, have been to this site. There used to be this tiny little church. Uh, it was falling apart. There wasn't a whole lot to it. Um, but because of your creativity and kingdom generosity, uh, that church is what now stands there. So I think we've got a couple more pictures. Um, yeah, it's a big, beautiful building. It's going to be used for people to worship, but also for kids to, um, to do school activities. And I think even that a compassion project is, is planned to start there. So um, a couple more pictures. There's our good friend Bonnie. Um, he was at the service today with Bishop Nathan. That's our bishop who Scott uh, reports to. Um, and then we've got one more picture. Yeah, so these guys have, have served there for a while. Pastor Matias on the right, um, he has faithfully been in that church for years and years and years. We've supported him since the start of this church. Uh, and then in the middle, my dear friend Odell, and then Emmanuel um, on the left. So some good, good men who are leading God's people in Rwanda. Um, the funny thing about Anglicanism there, so at least here in this church, we, we keep it pretty chill for you guys. Um, but a lot of Anglican churches, even here in the States, are much more high church. There's robes and collars and, and all that good stuff. It's definitely, as you can see, how it is in Rwanda. Um, but their worship is a little more like a party than ours is. So here's, here's a video of what they did this morning. <laughs> yeah, so praise, praise God. Um, it's ex an exciting time and a, a fitting day to start uh, the season of Advent. So um, Advent starts today. Advent is the season of, well, and let me say thank you also for that, by the way. So thank you for, on behalf of those people. Um, it's exciting what God is doing. But today's Advent. And so Advent uh, starts the season of the church calendar um, that celebrates the coming or the arrival of Jesus Christ, his first coming, which is what we celebrate on Christmas Day. So Advent means coming or arrival. 
Um, and during this time, we prepare our hearts to celebrate Jesus, Jesus's birth, his first coming, but we also prepare our hearts um, to anticipate his second coming. Uh, we proclaim every week here that, that we believe Jesus is going to come again, and that day could be very soon. And so we also prepare our hearts uh, for the Lord during the season of Advent. So this year, we're offering an Advent book to help you uh, prepare your heart in that way. Uh, it's here before you. It's in the lobby. It's for uh, $5, I think, we're um, offering that. And so we'd love for you to grab one of those. The structure that book uses to walk through Advent is the threefold office of Christ. Um, and so that's what we're going to use for our sermons here during the month of December. Now, you might be wondering, what is the threefold office? It's a good question. Um, so when we, when we meet people, we generally introduce ourselves. And if we talk for longer than a minute or two, somebody will eventually ask, well, what do you do? Um, and so e even though our jobs aren't the sum of who we are, they're in a very important piece of our, um, our identity and the way we see people and, and how we get to know people. And so just like us, Jesus too has jobs, multiple jobs. Uh, but, but the main job that he has, kind of the overarching term is that of Messiah. Um, so Messiah is a word you might have heard if you've been around church. Uh, it's a Hebrew word. The corresponding Greek word is Christ. Um, and contrary to popular belief, Christ is not uh, Jesus's last name. His <laughs> brothers are not John Christ and Jerry Christ. And Christ is a title. Um, it's a title. And it means Messiah or anointed one, one who has been set apart by God for a specific purpose. And so if you look at the Old Testament, you see a lot of little Christs, a lot of little messiahs who are anointed with oil and set apart for a special purpose um, for God's service. <clears throat> and as you go through the Old Testament, you see three kinds of people being anointed um, in this way. And those people are the threefold office that we're talking about, prophets, priests, and kings. So those are the jobs of Jesus, the things that he came to fulfill. Um, and so as the story of the Bible unfolds, as the Old Testament moves forward, we see lots of these guys in these roles, but they're all flawed. Um, none of them are fulfilling the fullness of what those roles are meant to be. None of them are fulfilling the promises that, that God begins to put on the back of this one anointed figure who's going to come, but, but people are looking for him and he's not, he's not showing up. Um, people, as you get to the end of the Old Testament, um, it, the story leaves us who are reading it and the people of God in that day, it leaves us longing for a, a promised and awaited Messiah who will do all that those roles are supposed to encompass. And friends, that is exactly what Jesus came to do. He is the ultimate Messiah, the ultimate anointed one. He is our prophet, our priest, our king. He fulfills all of those roles perfectly. And so at Christmas, we celebrate that in Jesus, God has given us everything that we need. In Jesus, God has given us all that we need. He has given us a prophet to speak the truth to us. He's given us a priest to intercede for us and to be the perfect sacrifice for our sin. And he has given us a king to reestablish the kingdom of God and to lead us back into the life we were made for. Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah. He's everything we need. Amen? Yeah, it's pretty cool. So what we're going to focus in on today is what it means for Jesus to be our prophet. So let me pray for us, and then we'll dive in together. Well, Lord Jesus, 
we have sung of your greatness, um, the miracle and the mystery that it is that you would take on flesh and become one of us, uh, that you would take up each of these roles of prophet, priest, and king, and that you would be all this for us. Thank you, Jesus. We pray that you'd speak to us now through your perfect word, through my imperfect words, uh, Lord, that we would better get to know your heart and that would, we would leave uh, being more in awe of your goodness and your beauty. We love you, Jesus. Amen. All right. <clears throat> well, here's a question that I'd like to frame our time with today. Where do you go when you need answers? Where do you go when you need answers? So these days we have more and more inputs, more and more things in our our ears and in our minds and in our eyes, more and more voices, more and more people offering us answers to everything from how to eat to how to parent, from how to sleep to how to breathe, uh, from how to date to how to know whether you're an adult who is addicted to wearing adult diapers. That is an actual article that you can read on WikiHow today. The sheer volume of information on what to do and how to think and how to live is overwhelming. The options are endless. And so I want to ask you, who are you listening to? Who are you listening to? Where do you go when you need answers? Here's a few, few of the places we go. Maybe you go to news or talk shows. Uh, certainly those people are, are telling us how to think and how to believe about things. Maybe you go to podcasts. Uh, a lot of people are sending and receiving podcasts these days. I get a lot of them. I, I send some too. Um, maybe you go to celebrities, people who are wealthy, rich, famous. Maybe they're the ones you're looking to for answers or to tell you what is the good way to live life. Maybe you're going to doctors and to medical professionals. Um, maybe you're going to social media influencers. Most of us have at least some part of our life that is influenced by people on social media. And these could be all kinds of different people, but we are constantly hearing their voices, maybe daily hearing their voices, and they're telling us what they think is true and how to live and, and what's right. Maybe you're going to friends or loved ones. Um, maybe if you want to know how to do something, you're going to YouTube. Almost anything you want to know how to do, you can find a video of someone doing it on YouTube, and they can teach you. Um, maybe you're going to Google. This one's probably the most common. Um, I, I mean, how many times a day do we say, hold on, just let me Google that. And there we go. There's an answer for us. The power of Google and the scope of the internet has given us the illusion of having endless amounts of wisdom and knowledge, the answer to everything. And yet, Google also gives us answers like this. So this week, John typed in, um, is soda good for you? Uh, and it came back with the obvious answer, no, it's not. You know, it's constantly linked to an increased risk of type 2 diabetes. Um, but then the question that Google offers you next is this. What are the good benefits of drinking soda? <laughs> That's what you were looking for, right? And so it tells you it hydrates you. It contains caffeine. It eases digestion. It eases nausea. You don't need to take a Tums anymore. Just grab some soda. Um, <laughs> and so this is a silly example. Um, but we see that the reality is that things like Google and social media are constantly trained to give us what we want to hear, right? They read our preferences, they confirm our biases, they, create, they, they can create this feedback loop where it's hard to tell what's true and what's not true anymore. 
And so in the midst of this chaos that we're living in, what is a reliable source of information? What is a reliable source for answers? Who should we be listening to? If we want to know how to live life and what our purpose is and and who God is, then where do we turn? And friends, unequivocally, we say here at Orchard Hills that the answer is Jesus. He is where we turn. He is where life is found. He is the, the one who has the answers for us. Jesus says of himself in John 14, 6, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. The Apostle Paul says in Colossians 2, 3, in Christ, in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. It's in him and him alone. And the beginning of the book of Hebrews says it like this. Let's turn there together. Um, Hebrews chapter 1, this is on page 1184 of your church Bibles, if you'd like to grab one of those. This is how the book of Hebrews begins, verses 1 through 4. Oh, and a little side note here. As we go through, you'll see that this author references prophet, priest, and king. I'll show you as we go through. He says, Long ago and many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. So that's prophet. He's spoken to us by his son, upholds the universe by the word of his power. This is the priest part. After making purification for sins, that's what a priest does, that's what Jesus did on the cross, he sat down, that's what a king does, at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Jesus is our prophet, our priest, and our king. And you can see it right there in that, in that little passage. But we're focusing in on prophets. So in the Old Testament, God often revealed himself and his desires through to people through the mouths of prophets. Um, and more than simple fortune tellers, prophets were actually hearing from God, receiving his words, and then passing them on to the people. Um, that was their role. These are men like Moses, like Samuel, like Elijah. Um, they were all called by God to give his message to his people. And the message was often accompanied by miraculous signs and wonders to confirm that what they were saying was true. Um, and these prophets would often say, thus says the Lord, to let people know that, hey, these aren't my words. Uh, these words are from God, and I'm giving them to you from him. And so as you go through the story of the Old Testament, God sends prophets to his people to call them back to being faithful to him, to call them back into relationship with him. Um, But over and over, these prophets are ignored. And and this is what we were seeing, if you were with us in the summer in the book of Hosea. The people of Israel become more and more rebellious. It's kind of this downward spiral of maybe a little repentance, but then they just keep getting worse and worse. And finally, what happens is that they're exiled. They're sent out of the land God had promised them and that they had lived in because of their unfaithfulness to God. And so after um, a number of years, the people come back into the land Uh, They're kind of a shadow of their former selves. It still feels like they're living in exile. They do have a couple prophets who bring words from the Lord. But then, ending with the prophet Malachi at the end of the Old Testament, God goes quiet for 400 years. 400 years without a word 
from the Lord without a prophet speaking. That's crazy. 400 years is a long time. 400 years ago, America was not a nation. The Plymouth Colony was just getting started 400 years ago. That is a long time. But then, in the sending of the eternal Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, God speaks in a way that he has never spoken before. Speech is communication, right? It, it, speech tells what actions mean and how we think and feel on the inside. Speech is uh, bringing what is internal and making it external, bringing it forth into the world. And so Jesus is the ultimate speech of God, the ultimate revelation of who God is, of what his heart is for us. In these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Jesus is the speech of God. This is exactly what John means in, in the beginning of his gospel when he says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word put on skin, the son of God, the expression of God, the voice of God put on skin and came to live among us. Jesus is the ultimate revelation of God. Jesus is the ultimate prophet. Where do we see this? Well, like the prophets, Jesus is anointed at the beginning of his ministry. But unlike those prophets, he's not anointed with oil, but he is anointed with the very Holy Spirit himself. As the Spirit descends in the form of a dove on Jesus at his baptism, and the voice of the Father says, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. He has spoken to us by his Son. Also, like the prophets, Jesus does signs and wonders. Um, but the ones that he does are greater than theirs. And the ones that he does show his, his absolute power over disease and sickness, over um, demons and spiritual forces, and even over death. And unlike the prophets, Jesus does not say, thus says the Lord. Instead, Jesus says, but I say to you. I say to you. He speaks with the authority of God himself because he is. He is God. He is the very self-expression of who God is. He is the word of God incarnate in the flesh. Jesus is our ultimate prophet. And that is really good news. Now you may be thinking, that's great. That's all well and good. Cool story. But what does it mean for me? Well, it's a good question. I've got three answers for you. The first one's this. If you want to know who God is, you must listen to Jesus. He is the ultimate revelation of God's heart and God's character. Um, and Jesus has been given to us um, chiefly in his word. In the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we get four different up-close perspectives on the life of Jesus. He's here in these pages. The story of his life, the words from his mouth recorded by his people, inspired under the power of the Holy Spirit. And not only that, but from the very beginning in Genesis to the very end in Revelation, all of the threads come together and tie around the person of Jesus Christ. He is at the heart of this story, and this book is a huge part of how we get to know him. 
This is how we listen to Jesus. This is how we encounter him today. The author of Hebrews will say later, the word of God is living and active. And the word, the eternal son of God, is still living and active. He speaks through his word. He speaks through his spirit. He speaks through his people, and he's doing that today. If you want to know who God is, listen to Jesus. Number two, if you want to know who you are, you must listen to Jesus. Colossians 1.17, Paul tells us that all things were made by him and for him. He is the reason that you and I exist. He is the one who holds our purpose and our identity. And so if we're looking for meaning in this life, if we're looking for something beyond the grind and beyond all of the chaos of the voices that we hear all the time, if we're looking for purpose, then we have no farther to look And we have only one place to look, and that is in Jesus himself. He is the reason you were created. He is the purpose for your life now. Even though you might be struggling to figure that out or to find out what he wants from you in this season, he holds your purpose. And so if you want to know who you are, you must listen to Jesus. And then finally, if you want to live, you must listen to Jesus. In Acts 3, Peter is preaching his second sermon. So Jesus has ascended uh, to the right hand of the Father. He's poured out the Holy Spirit on his people. Uh, Peter has preached an incredible sermon. Many have come to faith. And then he's preaching for a second time um, to the people of Israel. And he quotes, he goes all the way back to the beginning, and he quotes Moses from the book of Deuteronomy in chapter 18. And this is what Peter says. He says, And Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet, like me, from among your own people. So Peter's saying, look, Moses himself was talking about Jesus. He's bringing that forward into the present, saying this applies to Jesus. Jesus is that that foretold prophet. Listen carefully to everything he tells you. And then Moses said, anyone who will not listen to that prophet will be completely cut off from God's people. Peter then goes on to say that that everything in the Old Testament uh, is culminating, pointing to Jesus. Jesus is the fulfillment of it all. And he says, repent of your sins and turn to God that your sins may be wiped away. If you want to live, you must listen to Jesus. In the Old Testament, prophets uh, often brought words that people did not want to hear. People were running away from God, doing their own thing, and the prophets were were proclaiming hard words of judgment, saying, hey, come back. It's not going to end well if you just keep going your own way. They spoke words of conviction um, in judgment. And, And they also, not just judgment, but they spoke words of hope for those who would listen to God who would listen to his prophets and who would be faithful to him and follow him. Judgment and hope was the dual message of the prophets. And in Jesus, we have that same message of judgment and hope. He too brings words of conviction that if we fail to repent and turn to him for salvation, then we will be cut off from God's people. There is judgment coming. We proclaim this every week in the Apostles' Creed, Jesus Christ, who will come again to judge the living and the dead. And so it would be unkind of me to not share with you today that judgment is coming. But here's the good news. At the cross, Jesus turned that judgment to hope. For all who would repent and follow him, just as Peter said, 
those people, for, the, for them, the wrath of God has not been poured out on them, but on Jesus himself. He took that judgment. So for those of us who are in Christ, we have hope. We have hope. And Jesus brought words of hope that for all those who would turn from their own ways and turn to him, who place their faith and their hope and their trust in him alone, not in anything the world is trying to tell us to do, then for those people, there is incredible hope. Hope for forgiveness and reconciliation, hope for right relationships with God and with each other, hope for this life and for the life to come. And so I want to ask you all again, where do you go when you need answers? Where do you go? Who are you listening to? Who are the prophets in your life, the people in your ears? Where are you looking for answers in this life? If you're not looking to Jesus, you're going to come up empty. If you're not looking to Jesus, you're not on solid ground. Everything else is shifting sand. But the author of Hebrews will later say in chapter 13 that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is true. His word is true. He is solid ground. And if you don't know him personally, then any of us who are following him would love uh, to introduce you to him, would love to talk to you more about what it looks like to be in relationship with him, uh, to be brought out from under the judgment of God and into the hope that Jesus offers. But maybe you're here today and you are a follower of Jesus and you're feeling a little hopeless. Maybe you're feeling a little discouraged and worn out and you're tired of following Jesus and you're tired of trusting his promises and you're tired of living a life where it doesn't seem like he's coming through in the ways that you thought he would or the ways that you expected him to. And I just want to say this to you today. Don't stop looking to Jesus. Don't stop. Don't give up on him. He's there. He's faithful. His promises are true. And it can be so hard when your life doesn't look that way, when it doesn't make sense, and when you feel like you're just waiting for that job that you're hoping for, waiting for that house that you hope, hope, are hoping for, waiting for that healing that you're hoping for, that victory over sin that you're hoping for. It can be so hard to wait on Jesus and to not look other places for answers. But friend, I assure you that he is there. He is with you. Do not mistake his silence for his absence. He is present with his people. He is present with his people. And he will speak. You will hear him. Wait for him. Hope in him. He is the answer. He is our prophet. And that's what this season is all about. I'd like to conclude today with a message of hope um, from one of the prophets who wrote the most about the Messiah who was to come. Uh, and that's Isaiah. This is in Isaiah chapter 30. Um, and I think this word is for us today. And this is what he says to all of us struggling to wait on and to trust in and to hope in Jesus. Isaiah 30, 15, he writes, For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, In returning and rest you shall be saved. In quietness and in trust shall be your strength. Man, that does not describe me at all so much of the time. So often we're just trying to run after other things, find our own answers. Give me this, give me that. Someone give me an answer. He says, return, rest, be quiet, trust. 
but you were unwilling. And you said, no, we will flee upon horses. Therefore, you shall flee away. And you said, no, we will ride upon swift steeds. Therefore, your pursuers will be swift. When we don't wait on him and we go in our own way, there is judgment that comes. But here's the hope. Here's the hope in verse 18. Therefore, the Lord waits to be gracious to you. And therefore, he exalts himself in order to show you mercy. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him. For a people will dwell in Zion and Jerusalem. You shall weep no more. He will surely be gracious to you at the sound of your cry. As soon as he hears it, he answers you. And though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet your teacher will not hide himself anymore, but your eyes will see your teacher and your ears will hear a word behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. Walk in it. When you turn to the right or when you turn to the left. Friends, don't give up hope. Don't stop looking to Jesus. He is that teacher that Isaiah is talking about. He is that prophet that we need to speak the truth to us, to remind us what is true. He is the ultimate Messiah, the salvation of the world. And I hope and I pray that he's your savior, that you know him and that you love him and that you trust him today. And if you're struggling to keep trusting, if you're struggling to hope in him, then know that he has not gone anywhere. He is right there with you. He is patient with us. He is gracious with us. The Bible says he doesn't treat us as our sins deserve, but he's right there and he's faithful. Let's pray. Well, Lord Jesus, we want to be a people who keep looking to you and you alone as our prophet, the one who gives to us the words of God, the one who expresses to us God's heart for us. Jesus, I confess for myself and for all those here that we often look elsewhere answers. We often look elsewhere for hope. And so, Lord, I thank you that you look on us with mercy and grace and that you say, come, come rest, come trust, come be quiet, come be still, come wait on me. So, Lord, help us. You know all of the situations here today where we are struggling to wait, where we're struggling to trust you. Lord, would you work in our hearts now by your Holy Spirit? Would you encourage your people today? Would you inspire us and, and embolden us to keep looking to you with hope as our one and only Savior? Speak to us now, Lord Jesus. We love you. We pray this in your name. Amen.